This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Friday, September 25th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Brad Crawford, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Brad, I'm in a pretty good mood. SEC action finally starts this weekend, and it feels like college football, you know, despite a few cancellations or postponements here or there, feels like college football is kind of back. Yeah, it does, man. Looking at five or six SEC teams in the top 10, I think there's seven total in the top 25. So, you know, college football's most competitive conference that claimed the national championship last season is back in action with several marquee games on Saturday. Yeah, so what we're going to do today uh, as we attempt to preview the SEC action is you and I got together in a Google Doc and we sort of drafted like one player for each team who we were going to have our eye on. And we tried to make them non-obvious. You know, we're not going Mac Jones for Alabama. Um, and we tried to also limit ourselves how many quarterbacks we could choose. Um, we want to, you know, be able to, to shed some light on some more underrated or under the radar players across the conference while understanding that in some cases, like at Vanderbilt, quarterback is really the entirety of the story. So we're going to take turns going back and forth, and we'll just go game by game. I kind of learned a lot, like putting together some of these notes while I was deciding which players to choose. And, you know, if, if there's someone who who the listeners out there think that we should have had on here for, for each specific team, that's a really great chance to leave us a, a, an Apple uh, review and tell us uh, who we got wrong, but maybe couch it with a five-star rating anyway. So speaking of five, uh, Florida is number five in the country in the AP poll. They are 14.5-point favorites at Ole Miss at noon Eastern time on ESPN on Saturday. Brad, I'm going to let you start um, with Florida, a player to watch who we might not be paying enough attention to. So this could be a very interesting game, Trey, on defense for Florida especially. I'm I'm going with weak side linebacker James Houston. He's a player that Todd Grantham has, you know, really said that during fall camp has played well. He's going to count on him this season as kind of that thumper, so to speak, at the second level of the defense. I know part of the issue with you know at, at times during his career is being kind of over aggressive at that outside spot. So, you know, that that's something that Florida has to keep an eye on against Ole Miss given the Rebels propensity for, you know, breaking those big gains in that read game with, you know, John Rice Plumley or Jerry on Ely. Yeah. I, I think Florida has potentially a really fun defense this fall. Grantham's always so good at, at like turning underrated guys or guys we don't really know about into, into stars. And you know, you're going to see several guys have really good years uh, statistically. And then it's so positionless that um, you can kind of go any direction with these guys. Like speaking of positionless, that's kind of what I was singing for Ole Miss. So I'm using one of my quarterback bullets on John Rice Plumley, but Brad, like I've marked in here that I'm listing him as a gadget guy because it does seem like according to our Ole Miss 24 seven sports site that Matt Corral is getting buzz as the first team quarterback 
um, throughout fall camp and, and the scrimmages. Both are probably going to play. Uh, Lane Kiffin listed uh, Plumley and Corral as the or co-starters at quarterback. But if Corral's the guy, that doesn't mean that Plumley is not going to play plenty. Uh, he's so athletic, rushed for a thousand yards last year at the quarterback position, uh, over six yards per attempt. I think he could be used in a variety of ways. Uh, you mentioned Jerry on Ely, a, a fellow freshman last year. Like th- there could be some really fun option stuff with those two guys and potentially pull some new Orleans saints trickeration type where like you've got Plumley on the field and your Taysom Hill roll, you're splitting corral out wide. You've got Ely in the backfield. Like f- I think that kind of stuff is going to maybe give Florida a bit of a headache in at least the first half. I'm not sure about the 14 and a half point spread, according to William Hill, because I do think Ole Miss might make this a little bit tricky for Todd Grantham and, and James Houston. So that's uh that's my guy. And uh, you know, if push, if I was Lane Kiffin, I might, I might have Plumlee as my starting quarterback period, just because of the versatility he can give me. Yeah, I think I would too, you know, and, and Plumlee has some of that getaway speed Trey, that, that most SEC quarterbacks, at least the dual threats don't have, you know, we saw him against LSU last season, give him what two fifty on the ground. And, and that was a pretty, you know, dang good defense with several NFL guys. So, I'm like you. I'd, I'd probably lean Plumley as QB1, but it sounds like Corral's had a heck of a camp. And if they can use both of their quarterbacks in, in a, you know, hybrid type roles, then, you know, good for them at Ole Miss. And it, it could be a very good matchup on Saturday in Oxford. Yeah, excited to see what Lane Kiffin pulls out of his hat. All right. Number 23, Kentucky at number eight, Auburn. This is perhaps the game of the week in the conference. Auburn is a seven and a half point favorite. This will be at noon on the SEC network. Brad, uh, Kentucky, uh, let's hear your guy. And I, I I like this pick. I think some fans have probably forgotten about him, but he could be in store for a big season. Yeah, so, you know, this is quarterback Terry Wilson's first game in a calendar year, you know, after that knee injury cut short last season. And in my opinion, man, he really is the most important player for the Wildcats this fall. You know, we're talking about probably a three- or four-win team without him, maybe a six-win team with him. Um, you know, I – I think if the Wildcats are able to pull out this win on the road against Auburn, we'll be talking about several big plays from Wilson in the passing game. I know Gus Malzahn and and that defense wants to really load up and limit A.J. Rose on the ground. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting Saturday afternoon to see, you know, Wilson's development through the air and if he can play with that consistency level back there in, in passing situations. There were there were times two years ago, you know, when, when Kentucky won 10 or 11 games that, you know, Wilson at, at times handcuffed them on offense. So, you know, two years later, he's back at full strength now. And like I said, their most important guy this fall. I'm going to give you mine, and then I'm going to circle back to you with a question about Terry Wilson and that Kentucky offense. So I went with defensive end Big Cat Bryant. That's his actual name, uh, formerly known as Markevious Bryant. Um, former big-time recruit. He's a senior now. Auburn loses a lot of talent out of the front seven, especially on the defensive line. First round pick, Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Nick Coe. They have to retool. We know the best Auburn teams are the ones with good defensive fronts. There's no way they're better or nearly as good as they were last year when they had one of the best defenses in the country. But Big Cat Bryant, who had a slow start to his career, finally broke out in 2019 He's going to have to to do a lot more than he did last year. He's going to have to uh, compensate for those losses. Owen Popo, uh 
at linebacker as well is going to have to have not only a big game, but a big season. And when you're facing a team like Kentucky that can run the ball the way, if they run the ball the way that we think they're going to, you're going to need your front seven to play well. So I went with big cat Bryant, but tossing back to you for Kentucky, Brad, last year with Wilson's injury, they almost by accident found this delightfully fun offensive attack featuring former receiver Lynn Bowden at quarterback. Do you expect Terry Wilson's got some wheels? Do you expect them to to, to incorporate or to keep the the quarterback run game as part of that offense? He definitely does have wheels, but Terry Wilson is is not a run first dual threat quarterback. If if you've watched Kentucky, you know you you kind of noticed that. Wilson goes through his reads, and then if it's third and manageable on third and five, he can scoot away for a first down. I think it's still a a you know pass first quarterback type type offense. You know they have some tremendous depth in the backfield behind AJ Rose as well. But you know Rose, a guy that this season will probably get twenty carries a game. I think you'll you'll see a Kentucky like they always do push some wide outs at, at quarterback for a a direct snap or two. That's always always been a wrinkle. In Kentucky's playbook, but getting back to Wilson, like I said, man, he's going to go through his reads. Kentucky has also talent at at the wide receiver spot. So if if he's accurate this fall, I think there's a chance that you know UK could compete for that third spot in the East with with Tennessee and South Carolina. It's just it all hinges on Wilson, his health, and like I said, uh, his accuracy. All right, next game: Mississippi State at number five, LSU. Um, LSU is a 16 and a half point favorite. And as I say, number five LSU, I'm Brad, I'm realizing I listed Florida's ranking as wrong earlier as well. Um, but whatever, uh, this is at three 30 on CBS. This is their game of the week. I'm going to go first here. Uh, Eric Gilbert, the LSU true freshman tight end has gotten so much praise this last month as the breakout star of anybody's fall camp. It's no surprise to, to anyone who, remembered him as a recruit. He was the number five tight end or number five overall player in the class of 2020, according to the 24 seven sports composite that makes him the highest rated tight end in the history of the modern recruiting era, six foot five, 250 pounds. There's a reason Thaddeus Moss went pro like Thaddeus Moss wanted to get his of course, but he probably saw Eric Gilbert coming in. And I think if you ask the LSU people, Gilbert would be starting over Moss this year. Anyway, that's how good he is and on an LSU offense that loses Justin Jefferson, loses Jamar Chase, loses Clyde Edwards Alaire, obviously loses Joe Burrow. Gilbert might lead the team in receptions. He's gonna catch at least fifty balls from new quarterback Miles Brennan. He will be a security blanket. He will be a first round pick in three years, and I think he's immediately gonna be one of the SEC's best players. I can't wait to see him, man. And and especially given, you know, all of our recruiting experts is uh, teases on him. I mean, it it sounds like he can have a a thousand yard season over over ten games. And I mean, when's the last time a SEC tight end has led a you know top ten team in in catches, yards, and and probably touchdowns? So I'm like you, Trey. I'm expecting huge things from Gilbert. Yeah, it's uh it's going to be a fun season. So I was listening to ESPN this morning, and they had a clip of. Ed Orgeron saying the air raids come into town. Hmm. And Brad, you kind of mentioned someone who's going to be a focal point of that offense for you. Yeah, so wide out Tyrell Shavers transferred from Alabama and could really be one of Mississippi State's go-to guys this season in, in Mike Leach's aired out scheme. You know, I, I wouldn't really say that he was underutilized at Alabama, but there was just too many players. I mean, heck, two first-round picks, probably two others ahead of him on the depth chart. You know, he's a quick and shifty guy, um, has good hands, and the limited action that that we've seen, and 
you know, that that's really just what the Bulldogs need at wideout when, you know, timing and, and quick reads is really everything in this air raid offense. It's going to be fun to see him catch passes from KJ Costello. A lot of transfers on that Mississippi State team from Mike Leach. The College Football Daily will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, number four, Georgia, 26-point favorite at Arkansas, 4 o'clock on the SEC Network. You're going to go first here, Brad. It's a pretty obvious one for Georgia. Yeah, so obviously, USC transfer JT Daniels, you know, not being cleared at the time of this recording. It it appears Dewan Mathis is going to be QB1 for the Bulldogs against the Hogs. Um, I think he provides a chance to maybe open things up a bit for Todd Munkin in his first game as Georgia's play caller, maybe some you know, RPO action with Zamir White and Cook in the backfield that sets up play action up top to George Pickens. George Pickens was a guy that, you know, he's on everybody's first-team All-American list um, in, in the preseason. I, I almost picked him. He's a little too obvious, though. He's a yeah. a true Randy Moss-type wide receiver one. But, yeah, man, I I also think that, that Mathis's play in fall camp sort of helped expedite Jamie Newman's opt-out decision. Like, I that, that hasn't been reported, obviously, and, and it's speculation. But, you know, we've we've seen nuggets of info leaked out of Athens that, you know, Mathis really opened the eyes of the coaching staff and has been the Bulldogs' most consistent player under center the past month or so. I think you'll have a big game Saturday. It is interesting how the Georgia quarterback situation has shaped up in the last few weeks or months even. Like, we thought it was going to be Jamie Newman. Todd Munkin probably spent all offseason – getting really excited about how to incorporate a mobile quarterback into his offense. He opts out. JT Daniels becomes a guy we assume is going to start, not medically cleared. But in that time, like, Dewan Mathis, without anyone expecting it, has emerged as a QB1, regardless of whether Daniels is, is healthy or not. It'll be interesting to see if he plays well enough to hold on to that job when Daniels comes back. And, you know, that's a situation Kirby Smart has found himself uh, in before. Uh, for Arkansas... I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say here. Uh, it's going to be a tough year for the Hogs. I went with wide receiver Traylon Burks. They have talent on offense. They got quarterback Felipe Franks, running back Rakeem Boyd, who we remember from last chance you. Burks was a really big recruiting win for them a few, a few years ago. He was like the number 100 prospect uh, in his class, uh, six foot three, third last year in receptions. Charles Power uh, wrote about him a, f- a few weeks ago in a uh, – an article about SEC players who he thinks will break out kind of compared him to George Pickens, the the Georgia guy you just mentioned. So we'll see if Burks can win any one-on-one matchups against a really good Georgia secondary. I would expect he'll win one or two. It's not going to win Arkansas the game, but it could make for a few highlights for the hogs. Um, All right. So the next one, we've got another blowout, but this one will be fun to talk about as well. Number two, Alabama 27 point favorite, at Mizzou, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Brad, you think Missouri is probably in some trouble here. Who did you go with, though? Yeah, man, if you're a betting guy like I am, minus 27 Bama seems like a lock here. But, I mean, getting the Mizzou's top player, I, I think, you know, the, the Tigers have eight starters back on defense, which 
in my opinion, could be a saving grace this season for the first-year coach, Eli Drinkwitz, you know, giving the brutality of this schedule. Um, opening against Alabama is obviously the ultimate test, but that, that spotlight also offers up opportunity for veterans to maybe, you know, catch the eyes of some NFL scouts who are watching this game for the Crimson Tide. You know, senior DN Chris Turner is somebody that the, the Tigers are going to lean on, and if, if he can disrupt the third down early or maybe make a strong play against a run for a TFL, you know, it, it should jazz up this defense and, and what most are expecting to be a pretty lopsided affair. So would you bet or you wouldn't bet Alabama minus 27? I'd, I'd take Bama to cover, and I'd, yeah. I'd also put a little bit on the first half line, too. That's, that's a lot to ask for Missouri. Plus, whenever Bryce Young gets in, like I, I can't really see Nick Saban telling him to you know, slow it down or, or not, not do your thing. All right, uh, speaking of him, I didn't go with Bryce Young for Alabama. There were so many people I thought about. Uh, Will Anderson, freshman, getting, getting a lot of buzz. Thought about the receivers. Thought about Najee Harris. Thought about Evan Neal, now at right tackle. Thought about Mac Jones. Um, thought about Dylan Moses making his comeback. I went safety Jordan Battle. It would stand to reason a lot of people probably have not heard about him yet. Uh, he made four starts last season. He's replacing Xavier McKinney at free safety. Patrick Sertan gets a lot of buzz, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Battle ends the year as as Nick Saban's sort of prized defensive back and the best guy in that unit. He's rangy. He's big. He was the number 43 recruit in, the, in his recruiting class in 2019. People around Tuscaloosa are saying that he has superstar potential, and I think he's going to stand out. So we'll see. Um, it, but it, Brad, it was hard not to pick one of the receivers you mentioned in Slack. Like Missouri's going to have some true freshmen trying to trying to stop Jalen Waddle or Devonte Smith or, or or what have you. And I, I think those guys, you know, could go for a, a big day, a helmet sticker kind of game. Yeah, if you play college football fantasy, uh, go ahead and take Jalen Waddle or. or- or Devontae Smith, and just roll with it because both those guys could have really big nights on Saturday. All right, Vander, yeah, absolutely. Vanderbilt at Texas A&M, the worst game of the weekend. Uh, Texas A&M, 30.5-point favorite, 7.30 p.m. on an alternate SEC Network channel. So A&M, Brad, has had some opt-outs. Jamon Osbon, the receiver, uh, Anthony Hines, the linebacker. The good news for the Aggies is they still return a lot of starters, and they've got a really good freshman class coming in, and, and that's the well at which you went to pick your your little breakout player. Yes, with true freshman Jalen Jones. He's a guy who comes in with a ton of hype, cornerback, you know, player that we had as a five-star inside the final, I think ranked number 21 of our 24-7 sports composite for this class. You know, you're, you're not going to see a ton of freshman starters trade this weekend in the SEC given the, you know, short and acclimation period with COVID, but Jones is going to be one of them. I know our, our Texas A&M um, editorial staff, they, they love Jones. They've, they've seen him up close, and, you know, he's a really talented guy. Long, six foot two, has great speed, and I think Jimbo's going to expect a lot out of this guy starting at one of those corner spots. A&M does have a lot of young talent on defense. Defensive lineman Marvin Leal is going to be a superstar. It sounds maybe like the wrecking crew is getting back together in College Station. For Vanderbilt, I went quarterback. Um, I don't know who's going to win the job. It looks like true freshman Ken Seals might have the upper hand, but uh, among like four guys, um, and he was a, a three-star recruit. So I don't know what the expectations would be for him. But Brad, when you when you look at Vanderbilt and your expectations for them 
might be one win or two. Like the other positions on the roster don't really matter. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my time telling you about Vanderbilt's receiver receiver or you know their returning setters on defense. If they don't get better quarterback play than they had last year when they were like the third worst uh, passing offense in the country, they're going to go winless. So yeah, I mean you know you you want to see respectability this season out of out of Derek Mason. You know he's one of probably two SEC head coaches who are on the proverbial hot seat going into the season and. You know, if, if Vanderbilt gets two or three wins, that's probably more than most are projecting. It's just those those kind of games where it's it's over by halftime. You know, Vanderbilt faithful and, and supporters and boosters they don't they don't want to see that. So, like you said, Trey, quarterback play is, is huge for Vanderbilt as well as tackling. Man, this, this has been a good tackling defense for the first couple of years of Mason's tenure, and, and last season it just fell short. Yeah, I hate to say it, there's been no Vanderbilt buzz uh, around Nashville where I live, but. You know they'll be used to playing in the uh, in the mostly empty stadiums. I don't even mean that like Ooh, as a, as a tr- I don't even mean, I don't even mean that as an <laughs> insult. Like they're gonna kind of be right at home. Advantage right, Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah. Advantage Vanderbilt. That's their their uh, lone advantage this season. All right, last one. Excited to talk about this one with you. Number sixteen Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite at South Carolina. Seven thirty on the SEC Network. You know a lot about the South Carolina Gamecocks. It would have been cruel. If I got to choose my South Carolina breakout player, so I let you do it. Who did you pick? So everyone has asked me this offseason, how is South Carolina's new offense going to look with Mike Bobo calling the shots? And and I'll say this. If you know, he wants to increase the Gamecocks physicality at the point of attack, something that really, you know, has been an MO for Muschamp on defense, but but not on offense during his tenure. And I think that means a lot of carries for guys like Kevin Harris. He's a guy that I chose for this game or even Deshaun Fenwick. Both those guys were sort of listed in the or category on the depth chart this this week, and I think both get carries in Saturday night's opener. You know, Trey, it's, it's been several years since South Carolina has been able to really run the ball consistently, probably thinking back to Mike Davis. And I think this has been the primary reason that this offense has just kind of been stuck in mud um, during Muschamp's tenure. So Kevin Harris, for, for the uh, listeners that, that don't know, he's a bowling ball, really, really strong guy, no – no fat on his body. So uh, he's a guy who could really shine this season. Do you expect multiple quarterbacks to play Saturday night, Brad? Or is he just going to be Colin Hill? I think it'll be Colin Hill Saturday night unless he, you know, turns it over twice in the first half. I think it's, it's, it's somewhat of a long leash. What, from, from what I've been told, Trey, Bobo is certainly, I mean, Colin Hill is certainly Bobo's guy. I think Muschamp was leaning Ryan Helensky, but, mm. but Muschamp did say during the time of Bobo's hire that, this is his offense, and I'm giving him the keys. So that's exactly what Coach Boom's doing right now. I just want to see Luke Doty get some snaps at receiver. And and before we leave the South Carolina offense, I saw that Mike Bobo said they're not gonna they're they're not gonna do no huddle. They're gonna huddle. Um, and a lot of people were kind of giving them crap on that uh, crap for that. But I don't mind the idea of controlling the ball and controlling the clock if you don't think you're going to be very explosive on offense. Anyway, under Muschamp, so we'll yeah, see. yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, un, under Muschamp, some of the bigger games the Gamecocks have won have been those ugly slugfests. So I, I would agree that the Gamecocks, you know, best medicine is running the football, controlling the clock, and you know, keeping the opposing offense off the field. So there's a lot of intrigue surrounding this Tennessee roster. You look at the depth chart; a lot of returning talent. Um, they've had plenty of COVID issues in fall camp, so it's, it's with no certainty that the depth chart that they release is going to be what it looks like come Saturday. I went with Kovaris Crouch, uh, inside linebacker. This guy was 
at one point, I think according to like rivals.com was the number one recruit in the country for the class of 2019 out of the state of North Carolina. So Brad, I mean, you remember him well. Stud. Um, yep, yeah, stud. yeah he, he could play so many different positions, uh, running back, defensive end, linebacker. He is now a starting inside linebacker next to Henry Toto, who's a superstar. And Crouch, if he is good in this Jeremy Pruitt 3-4 defense, could make the Vols great on that side of the ball. They have question marks on the defensive line. They have a few question marks at safety, but they've got two really good cornerbacks in Elante Taylor and Bryce Thompson. I already mentioned Toto. If if, if Crouches if Crouch can show off his athleticism sideline to sideline and kind of plug some holes and let Henry T run around and, and run crazy, this will be one of the SEC's best defenses. And we'll see Crouch kind of do his thing Saturday night. And maybe Brad will get lucky and have it like a, a Crouch versus Kevin Harris mano y mano matchup and we can circle back next week and, and see which one of our guys won that battle. Um, that'll that'll be an epic collision in the hole in the first quarter. Yeah, like a lot of weight crashing into each other. So I don't know. Like I, it, it's hard not to go quarterback for so many of these teams, but there's 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 question marks. I, I feel like I keep saying question marks, but there's 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 holes to fill around so many different depth charts. Um, and it will be interesting this week and to finally get some answers across the SEC. I think the SEC's elite teams, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, obviously, those, those three programs are kind of the ones that I'm keeping an eye on Saturday and really have a chance to shine in the spotlight. We, we've we seen Clemson roll over its first two opponents as a nation's top-ranked team, and and now it's Bama's turn to kind of show what they've got. So I'm, I'm looking forward to SEC kicking off, man. So people are listening to this either Friday and, you know, probably ready to go get happy hour started or Saturday morning. Um uh, ready to kind of get their game day started. So we'll we'll wrap this up and, and give them time to go do that. But Brad, before we go, um, I want your boldest take that you probably are coming up with on the spot right now for the SEC this weekend. Are there any upsets in the cards or, or any any other breakout players that we're not talking about who are going to throw for 400 yards, five touchdowns? Okay, I, I'm not going to call the upset uh, outright, but that, that 14 and a half line for Florida Ole Miss is just flat out wrong. Um, I think I think Ole Miss is going to be able to score points against Florida. I think unless Kyle Trask has a really good game, Ole Miss has got a great shot. So don't you know? Don't be surprised if if come Sunday morning, Trey, we're talking about Lane Kiffin and his big time arrival in the SEC. I was thinking the same thing. I I told Chris Hummer that a few days ago on the podcast. He wasn't taking my bait, but I think fourteen and a half is too high. Um, as far as outright upsets. If Kentucky beats Auburn, I'm going to have Josh Ayler on the show next week to gloat. So I'm hoping to get Big Blue on. So I'm I'm pulling for Kentucky this weekend, and then LSU. There's a chance that the defending national champions aren't good this year. So maybe we'll I'm find not that buying out. That yet. Yeah. You, you you think they're going to be better than than I think? I'm thinking like six and four. So I don't know. That's about that's about where I am on them too. Six and four, seven and three. I mean, my, yeah. Miles Brennan has to be good for LSU to go. So. It will be it will be very telling to see how he does in his first few scripted series. Uh, what the confidence level of LSU uh, is in uh, for Miles Brennan. So, Brad, thanks for joining us. Um, it's it's been fun. We'll have you on again soon um, to talk more college football bowl projections. I know are something that you've been working on, and you got to expand your list with with uh, the Big Ten uh, joining the fold again. So, I appreciate uh, you, you coming on. Uh, you can follow Brad at bcrawford247 
on Twitter. He's got a lot of followers. He's a, he's a good guy to uh, get some insight from. My name is Trey Scott. Our producer, Tony Levitt, did a great job of putting this episode together. We'll talk to you next time. We'll talk to you on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.